Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome all to episode number 20. Yes, we got up to 20 episodes of NBA Holes. I am your co-host, Joe Connors, with my other co-host and native New Yorker, Mr. Justin Wells. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've made it to, to, you know, to at least be here for part of the ride in this, our uh, Gary Payton podcast. Gary Payton podcast. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm a rep for number 20, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Gary Payton's one of my favorite players ever, so I'm all about that. Um, why don't we start with Twitter questions tonight? We actually have a lot, which is good. I, I like Justin. Justin and I both like doing the show when we can answer questions and interact with people. So our first question comes, and honestly, this was supposed to be two weeks ago, but I had the stomach flu, so I apologize. And then last week, I never even sent anything to Justin about rescheduling because I was just tired and didn't feel like doing anything. But first question comes from Mike Osher at Mike Osher 81. And he's asking us, do you think there will be a trend of high school players skipping college to work out for the draft instead of going to, you know, lower tier schools um, or just schools in general? Uh, he was using the kid that was going to Western Kentucky, Mitchell Robinson, who was a, actually a big time recruit, but decided to not play basketball there and just focus on um train him for the draft for next year. Do you think that's going to be, I mean, we've seen it a few times <clears throat> guys that maybe can't make, you know, the grades or something like that, but do you think that's going to become a trend? I hope not. You know what? If a guy can't make grades, I'd actually rather they go play in Europe or something for a year. Like I, I know that Brandon Jennings was a different situation, but even doing something like that, I just think that there's no benefit to, to not playing actual competitive games for a year, especially at that age, because you're still so young and raw as a player. Like you, I, I just think game experience, even if you're playing at a level where you're either not going to see a ton of run, but practicing with professionals, or if you're just going to play for just like you know a, for a crappy program and beat up on kids that are a lot that you know that aren't you know at your level, I still think the benefit is in actually playing games. 
Yeah, I, I actually totally agree. I don't. I mean, him dropping out just tells me he didn't want to go to school, which is, you know, if you don't want to go to school, so be it. But that is the rule. You have to be one year removed from high school to enter the NBA draft. I, just, um, I, I don't get why. Like, cause I, I think a lot of these guys, if you're really being talked about as being in the NBA for, for a position in the NBA draft, mm-hmm. you, you could play on a European team. You could play on a Chinese team. Like, Yeah, take, you can. It's happened before. Yeah, I mean, just, guys have done it recently. Take the year and just, you know, just play games. Like, it's so much more helpful, and you can get paid a little bit. Exactly. I mean, any sport, you have to keep playing it to improve. You have to keep rhythm. You have to keep – I mean, I could go running every day. I could jog. I could jog. But it, it doesn't replicate being in that sport shape, you know? So it's it's not as if, like, I, I could just jog every day and then uh, be in basketball shape. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Leroy. Uh, LLC Impulse, uh, one of AI's own, and um, has his own tactic show, which I would recommend if you're into that kind of thing, which most people seem to be are uh, nowadays. But he's asking, any surprise trades you guys see before the deadline? I mean, I could see surprise trades. Hmm. Surprise. So I would say not – well, I don't know. I'll let you go because so we, we might consider different surprises. I mean – Lillard, I would, I mean, Lillard's been rumored to be unhappy in Portland, but mm-hmm. now that he's gone to meet with the owner, like him getting traded wouldn't shock me. DeAndre Jordan getting traded won't shock me because, you know, once again, that's been rumored. Kemba Walker yeah. being traded wouldn't shock me, and I really want him in New York. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe for his. It, you know, the, the, the most shocking trade I think you could see in the NBA this season would be the Dallas Mavericks trading Dirk Nowitzki to a contender who just needs someone to spot up and shoot. I can see that. It's his, last, um, it's his last run in the NBA. This is his last season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's actually came out and said that, right? I believe yeah. he's. this is it. So, I mean, it, he could provide exactly what you just said for somebody, and he wouldn't have to play a lot of minutes. So the defensive side of it wouldn't kill a team – not that Golden State needs any shooters or any more offensive firepower, but a team like that, a team like Cleveland, who we'll, we'll definitely get into talking about, um, probably isn't going to help that kind of team much. But, you know, a, a team that's ready to really, really win, um, I think he could definitely help. What about a guy, I mean, he's been talked about a lot, but Lou Williams is, you, now at this point, you'll probably have to give up a lot to get him just the way he's playing at the moment. Um so I don't even know if he's really, uh, you know, a surprise name. Um, I don't know anybody else you can think of. I mean, everybody's been talked about sort of ad nauseum, like Tyree, Tyreek Evans from the Grizzlies is always a trade candidate because they're not very good. Um, Anthony Davis is always rumored in every single, every, at every point in his career to have been traded away from New Orleans hasn't happened. Yeah, yet. Boogie's the same way. Boogie Cousins, and it's like it, you know. If you're going to trade for these guys, there's got, there's got to be multiple things to it. Are they going to resign for your club? Because guys like the last two you just said, you're giving up a ton for them. Like, there's just no way about, you're going to give up a lot of young talent, young players, young good players, and a lot of good draft picks. That's just the way it's going to be. And it should be that way. If you're giving up a, a franchise type player, um, that's what's going to happen. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's, I mean, I could see the Lakers maybe moving some players. But, I, you know, again, they're not just going to give guys away. Like, Julius Randle, does he have a future? 
I, I don't think, think he has a future in L.A. If the Lakers Clarkson, are going to make a trade, though, they're going to make a trade that's going to – they need something with splash. Like, they're sure. they're, they're going to try to – I mean, they're trying to clear out cap room for either LeBron or Paul George. I think they want them both. If they, if they had their druthers, I think they would like to have them both. And the funny part about that is, is it, it, it makes them obviously much better, but they're still not winning anything with those two guys and whatever else you can put around them. Um, in my opinion. In my opinion, obviously they'd be much better. It just depends on what happens. What you know, what what happens with Brandon Ingram? What happens with Lonzo Ball? Do those guys even want to play with those like with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram? You know, it, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to take in. So I, I'm not sure. I don't know about surprise trades. It's just because this time of year, I mean, the deadline's on the eighth of February. I don't know how many surprises you can get, but. I mean, like, uh, it's just hard to think off the top of my head at the moment. But that's a good question by Leroy. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm the only other guy. There's two guys I can think of that actually just came into my head that would that would shock me. Uh, Dwight Howard being one. Yeah, because of his salary. Because sense. his salary, and also, you know what? Like him in Charlotte is is actually something that seems to fit. It does. He's actually having a pretty good season for. And nobody cares because nobody cares about Charlotte, unfortunately, except Hornets fans. Yeah, and he hasn't been a huge dumbass. Yeah, yeah, that's – and again, I think a lot of that's kind of um, masked because he's playing where he's at, you know? Like nobody – there's no limelight on Charlotte, you know? When he was in Atlanta, he's an Atlanta kid. Um, You know, he was kind of a knucklehead, didn't really care, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope I'm blown away by a trade. I just hope it's somebody on my team going which I don't think that's going to happen anyway. Um, and your team, I, I don't know why you guys would trade anybody, unless it's the Kemba Walker thing, but I don't know what you give up. I mean, you and I talked about this on Twitter. Um, I think yours, what was it, Neil Akina, Picks, and, and and Kyle O'Quinn's expiring contract. Yeah, Ky- actually, Kyle O'Quinn's Kyle a guy a who... Kyle O'Quinn's a solid player. He is, and I think he's actually... That's a really good shout. Um, he's a guy who could get traded and I think the Knicks could get something for him. Um, I know he's a native New Yorker and I know you love him, but they could really get something for him because he's a player that nobody wants to play against uh, defensively. And that's the kind of guy you need in the playoffs. Like if you play him minute spurts, he's exactly the kind of guy who could help your team. Like I read an, like a legit article yesterday. I think it was the ringer or one of the guys on ESPN who said that the Gold State Warriors really want him. Um, and that doesn't surprise me at all because he gives them more beef in the middle. He allows them to rest Draymond Green the way they play. And as you know, he's a guy who will not back down from anybody. Yeah, and he does a lot of the things that Draymond does because he's a good passing big man. So the Knicks are at a very good defender. The Knicks are a team that are just, you know, over the last two years, not particularly great. Mm-hmm. Quinn in the last two years so per 100 possessions. Off, off, offensive 100 possessions, 114 per 100. Defensive, 105 per 100. This year, 117 per 100 for, 104 per 100 against. The guy can, like, the guy really, really can play. I guess he can. The, the question for me is just, you know, at what point does he become overexposed? Because he will hack you to death. He's also going to, there's also no point in his career at which he wouldn't foul out per 100 possessions. Yeah, no, no, of course. But again, though, guys like that in the playoffs, who who can play a little bit and he can play a little bit and who have that energy. Uh, I mean, like everybody, everybody who in that category, people always want to com- compare him just to Draymond Green. But Draymond Green has skill. That's what separates him, obviously. That's why he's an all-star. But again, I, I would take a guy. I would love a guy like Kyle Quinn on my team. 
would absolutely. Dude, don't sleep on O'Quinn for a skill. For per, once again, just going back to his per 100 possession stats, 20 points, 17.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 3, and a, three blocks, and a, and a steal per 100 possessions. That's excellent. Yeah, the guy can play. Like, the guy can flat out yeah. play. He was a really good player in college, too. Small program player. I mean, yeah, if the Knicks was. trade him because of the fact that I do happen to love him, and he is a New York na- Queens native, no less. Yeah. So shares the same birthplace I do. Um, <laughs> I uh, I would uh, I, I would like them to trade him to a situation where he can pick up a ring because I'm a huge fan. Yeah, and I think that would be DSW again. I think works perfectly there. I think it does too. I think it's a perfect match. Depending on it would help you, and I mean it would make you sad, but it would probably help you because you know they would give you something good because draft picks that team's not really that concerned about because it's just how their team's set up. But um, next question comes from Rick at Ricardino eighteen ninety two. He's asking. How much would you pay Marcus Smart if you're Boston? And what do you think, or, or who do you think will pay more? How much to pay Marcus Smart is a really, really interesting question. Because he he could do like one or two nice things offensively. Mm-hmm. But they're totally useless in, in the shadow of a larger offensive game because of his he's he's just a horrific NBA shooter. Like, he's shooting 29% from three point and he's 40%. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's 35%, which is, which is, which is bad when you're a guard. Um, yeah. I mean, he, I guess you label him as a point guard, but I, I, I don't know what he really is. I've never been a big fan of him. And remember, you're not going to get those kind of ridiculous contracts that you got last year because people kind of spent all their wad and they're, you're not going to have as many people with cap cap opening and the teams that do have cap opening one being my Sixers are not going to pay for Marcus smart. Cause he's not what they need. Um, a few other teams are not just going to blow money anymore. Again, we just talked about a shooting percentage. D- does Boston even, if you're, if you're Boston, do you even entertain bringing him back? I mean, is he even worth bringing back? I think he's an offensive black hole. I, you know what? He works in a situation where if you were to surround him with, enough guys who can score as to where you can afford to play four, four on five on offense. So he's, he's averaging 10 points a game this year. Um, we already talked about shooting. I don't know what he's, he's still on his rookie contract, obviously. So you figure next year, what does he get in the 10 million, 12 million range? Less than that. I wouldn't want to pay More that than, much for that. He's a one. That's what I'm saying. He's just too yeah. one dimensional. You know, he's a decent playmaker and a facilitator, but it doesn't overshadow the fact that, if you you can take away basically so much with him on the ball because you got to make he has to beat you to get a shot off you you let him shoot from wherever. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you, I don't care where that guy's shooting from. He could take he could take he could take three point shots all game because he's going to miss the most of them. I just like if I'm the Boston Celtics and they're a smart team, um, I don't know why the I don't know what the need is to bring him back. I guess that depends on how they feel about Shane Larkin. But again, this is a team who's got firepower and they got firepower with picks as well. Um, there's a good chance they're going to have our pick next year. And if not, they'll have it the year after they still have their pick and they still have, I think it's Memphis's pick, which is going to be a really high pick. So they're loaded with picks. I, I don't pay him if it's me and I'm Boston, unless I, maybe I get him on a one year deal and I just keep doing that to him. I doubt he does that. So I, I personally, I move on, but who pays him more? That's a great question. I, any thoughts on that? I, I just, like you said, he's a one-dimensional player. 
Um, he doesn't, he's a guard who doesn't shoot well, which in this league is basically worthless. He is a good defender. I'll give him that. He's a very good he's defender. Good, but he's not great. No, he's not great, but he's a very good defender. And he, I like his tenacity. I like his toughness. Uh, he's got a little swagger to him, but you got to do more than that if I'm going to give you a big contract. Yeah, I just, you know what he is? It, it's like people will go out there and say he's a gamer, but if you actually like pay attention to what he really does, those big hustle plays he makes, they look nice, but then you just have to ignore the fact that he like legitimately just can't shoot. Yeah, no, he, he absolutely cannot shoot. I mean, it's, I, 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 I watch him play a lot because they're on TV here a lot. And I'm just like, yeah, this guy stinks. So I, I just, I would not want any part of that. So, um, eight million, next question. 8 million bucks is a defender for a not quite three and D guy. Yeah. It seems kind of excessive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what we're talking three to 6 million. Would you do that? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I, I just wouldn't want to break the bank on him as a player. I think he's a rotation piece and nothing more on it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's exactly the thing. You're dead right there. He's a rotation piece. Uh, next question comes from Marco Lopez. Um, he's he's trying to catch up. He does have NBA pass this year. He's a big Lakers fan. Um, he's still behind on the games, but he, he said he was watching his Lakers. He watched the game versus the Timberwolves. And on the commentary, he mentioned that Shaquille O'Neal, um, this is a TNT game, obviously, uh, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, spent the game lamenting two differences with new and old NBA. So his questions are, his first one is, is there a place for the old school big man in today's game? That's his first question. So we'll, let's, we'll talk, we'll say David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. I'm not putting Akeem Olajuwon in there because he just was up ahead of his time. Not putting Shaq in there because he was sort of ahead of his time. So think... We'll say like Dikembe Mutombo, Patrick Ewing, those kind of types. Is there still a place for guys like that in today's game, you think? Defensively, there there always has been. Mm-hmm. Offensively, no. Yeah, no, I, I actually totally agree. I don't I just think guys like that are just lane cloggers and they're not athletic enough to play in today's game. Um you know, like you got Joel Embiid, again, he's a, it's not just the blocks are like the most overrated thing in the world. It doesn't make, doesn't make you a good defender, but you got to look at the advanced metrics. Um, but guys like him, that's why they still fit because he can come outside and can hit a jumper. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Davis. Those are the, those are your kind of guys. I mean, even the, probably the most old school guy I can think of right now. And he made the all-star team and that's LaMarcus Aldridge off the top of my head. And he's having a fantastic year. Um, but he's got more athleticism, in my opinion, than those guys. So well, he's a better yeah. shooter by a long shot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I, I agree with you there. I, I say no. And the second is, is analytics too influential in today's game? Absolutely not. Tell me why. I, I so I'm I'm a huge fan of analytics. I think that the, the you, I think that you can tell the value of a player to the, into a team. Best of my favorite stats to look at. I, it was the ones that I looked at when I brought up uh, Kyle O'Quinn. It's the mm-hmm. same one I'm going to tell you use, uh, and I'll use I'll use uh, Marcus Smart in my example here. People will tell you that Marcus Smart is a gamer and that his ability to play defense basically elevates his team. You and I are arguing the opposite. Analytically, you and I are right. 
So Marcus Smart is a guy who his team scores 94 points per 100 possessions with him on the court and 100 and th- surrender 103. Like that's a normalized stat. That tells that gives you these guys are all on the court for a lot more than 100 possessions uh, over the course of you know three games. Especially if you're an NBA starter, you're, you you get to under 100 possessions like every three games, and mm-hmm. you can tell the impact if you want. Like I just think the fact that you can tell impact from like that on your team that encapsulates efficiency because you can see whether or not you're, how much your team is scoring with you and with you with with or without you. You can tell overall impact of team defense. Like I think it's a great way to take away all the individual variables that could possibly be there. And that's Correct. much more of an analytical approach than it is just statistical and looking at a player. Because objectively, I see Marcus Smart and I see a guard, a guard who is, you know, got a defensive reputation who averages about 10, 10 points, just around 10 points, averages about four and a half assists and three rebounds a game. And I sit there and I think that's a decent contribution to the overall stat line. Like that looks like a guy who could probably, you know, play play in the NBA and really lead my team. But he can't. And the more you see of them, the more you realize that. And I think that there's no better way to look at that than looking at, you know, the overall net impact on the court. I also like the efficiency stats, too. So, like, the Hollinger stats are efficiency rating. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that they normalize a lot of the, the offensive output. And they sometimes tell you that certain players that you think are very inefficient are actually significantly more efficient than, uh, you know, particularly offensively because the Hollinger stats to you offensively. But they tell you that certain guys who are viewed as significantly inefficient are far more efficient than you ever thought they were. Cough, Carmelo Anthony, cough. Oh, yeah, massively. I, I never liked Carmelo Anthony, never been a fan. Thought he was massively overrated. Um, to answer Marco's question, I do not think they're too old. I actually, I am also a big believer in analytics. I just don't think people um, know how to use them. I think that's the problem. And I think analytics in certain sports are more important than others. Um, like I feel that baseball uses it the best and I feel that baseball uses it to better quantify a player's value than other sports do. Um, that's just one man's opinion, but no, I think they're highly important and it's why you see teams like the warriors do what they did. Um, the rockets doing what they're doing now. So no, I don't. I don't think they're overrated. I, I mean, re- remember the game's still played on the court, but it, it, you need th- this. The information these guys are getting, the key to it is just getting it through to the players. If you can do that, and that's got to come from your coach and your coaching staff, then it's it's they're amazing. That they will literally those those statistics will win you games. Um, so no, I I don't think they're. I don't think they're too influential. I think they're actually massively needed. And I think it's made the NBA, just if we're going to talk about one sport, um, such a better league because of it. Um, next question comes from one of our own, at Kev Haggerty. Uh, he's asking, are the Rockets a serious challenger to the Warriors, or are they just regular season series winners again? I think they're actually, I think they're actually a competitor this year. Yeah, me too. I think that they, I think that they actually could hurt you in enough ways, and I think Capella really coming to the fore gives them something that the Warriors don't have, which is, you know, an elite rim protector and inside presence. I like Draymond Green a lot. Like, as a person, I think he's kind of an asshole. But yeah, uh, he's a big asshole. <laughs> but 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 his game, I think, is like he does he. 
I don't think there's anybody in the NBA who can do as many things as he can well. Mm-hmm. And, no, I think I think you're probably right there. Yeah. But the one thing is, for a defensive presence, and but I mean, between him and Kawhi Leonard, take your pick. One of the two of them is the best. One of the two of them is the best, both on ball and off ball team and man defender in the NBA. Like both of them mm-hmm. have zero flaws in their defensive games, as far as NBA players are concerned. But the only thing that Draymond, like you know, and like Kawhi, but the difference is the way in which the Warriors play Draymond is he's not a rim protector per se. Mm-hmm. That's because of his height. He's six six. Exactly. That's that's the problem. Yeah, he's and not going to go up there and just. Well, that's where I think Capella can you know really make some some difference in that series. Plus, there's absolutely no guarding James Harden. No, you cannot. You could definitely not uh, guard James Harden. And Capella kind of reminds me not as a player type. These are not the same. But it's he was he kind of reminds me like they could beat the Golden State Warriors when Tristan Thompson played his part when they beat the uh, Golden State Warriors. Cleveland beat them. Like, he can play that same kind of role, but he could play it better because I think he's better than Tristan Thompson, certainly better this year. Um, Tristan Thompson has the Kardashian curse. Just, I don't, he's like a, a terrible player now if, after he impregnated a Kardashian, but it's a whole other story, I guess. Um, no, I think he's, I think you're dead on there, Rick Capella. He makes them so much better. Uh, I know how you feel about Chris Paul. I know how I feel about Chris Paul, but... Chris Paul still a great player, still a difference maker, and like I, you said, I just, I just want to be clear, just so everybody knows, we're not in agreement, and Joey is not a fan. Yes, yes, absolutely. What did I say? Did I say that wrong? No, no I just want to make sure that we're clear on exactly how everybody knows how I feel about him, which is nothing but love. Oh yeah, no, I I always say he's a fantastic player. I just don't like him because I think he's phony. Um, and but I, I guess that's not a reason not to like a basketball player, but he's just always rubbed me the wrong way, and I thought he was overrated. Um, maybe that's just me. It, it doesn't matter, but, uh, yeah, I do think they're a legit, uh, contender. I really do. And the, if the, you know, let's see how injuries play out. Um, that's always a big part. It's always probably the big part, but I think they're, if I would love to see those two play, I think that would be an amazing series. Um, our next question comes from Ali at Giolino. He's, uh, he's asking, does the Cavaliers implosion leave the Eastern conference wide open? Or is it now a two-horse race between Toronto and Boston? Yeah, I'm not going to say that the Cavaliers are dead in the Eastern Conference until I physically see LeBron beaten in the Eastern Conference. Not going there yet. Okay. I have to see him, I have to see him beaten. You know what? Okay. They're, they're, didn't the Cavaliers implode in February and March of last year? How did yes, that they did. Work? How did that work out? Didn't they still they, made the finals. Didn't they implode the year before that? Didn't the Heat with LeBron, like, Implode three times in three consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. Where has LeBron terminated the last seven seasons? In the finals. So you in know what? Finals. Until the guy's dethroned, I'm giving nobody any sort of credit for having done anything to him yet. Nor am I going <laughs> to give the. Nor am I going to give the implosion there. Yeah, someone's okay. got to. Someone's got to beat him. I'm. I'm not. I'm not calling him dead. Well, let me ask you. Do you, well, I let Ali ask you. Do you think Boston or Toronto can beat them? If I have to sit there and actually think which team is probably better equipped to beat them in a seven-game series. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. I'm going to go with the team with the better backcourt and fewer rookies. So I think I'm I'm a bigger fan of Toronto in that Toronto. respect. Even though I think Boston's upside's better, I just trust that... Uh, I trust DeRozan, Lowry, and mm-hmm. a bunch of vets more than I trust a guy who believes the earth is flat, uh, <laughs> Al Horford, and a, a second-year player and a rookie. Okay. I'm going to actually – I think when we first started this podcast, I picked Boston out of the East pre-Gordon. I've said that numerous times. Um, and then, and they're, I know they're in a rough patch right now, but every team goes through that, so I'm not going to put too much into that. But I think I'm going to agree with you here. Cleveland plays no defense whatsoever. They're second to worst in the league in, in every defensive category. Um, and in the playoffs, I know LeBron James is LeBron James. I, I love him as a player. Can't stand him as a person because he's annoying because I don't like passive-aggressive people. Um, and I, I know he's great. But that team can't play defense. And if you can't play defense in a seven-game series, you normally lose. So I think it is probably – I'm going to call it now. Because I don't know what they do. I don't know what Cleveland does before the trade deadline. You know, I've heard the players are talking about bringing in, and they're not going to really improve that team much. And in the long run, it's just going to make them worse because of the contracts. Like, DeAndre Jordan's not going to go there. And even if he does, he's not going to make that much of a difference. He's not that great of a player. And you notice how he's not that great of a player without someone who left for the Houston Rockets that I'm not a big fan of, one Chris Paul you'd notice the difference in his play when he doesn't have Chris Paul. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a two-horse race. And I would love to see Cleveland just get bounced out by somebody else. And I'd love to see a seven-game series, to be honest with you, just for something different. I'd love to see a seven-game series between Toronto and Boston. And I think if they played, uh, I do agree with you there. I, I'd go with the Vets. Um, you're starting to see Boston's rookies play like rookies, which is completely normal. doesn't mean they're bad players. It's just that's what happens with rookies most of the time. Um, Kyrie Irving's a great player. Uh, it's hard to carry a team though. Al Horford's a good player. Uh, he's very good at, and I know it's not statistics, but I still think he's massively overrated. Um, and shouldn't have been an all-star in my opinion, but he did make it. So I get that he's a better, he's either obviously a better team with him on the floor. Uh, he is a very good defensive player and his, those stats that you're reading about Kyle O'Quinn, if you read Horford still will tell you the same thing. So. But, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think Toronto will come out of the East now. I'm looking at it. I mean, we're pretty far into the season. I just don't see what – unless Cleveland pulls a rabbit out of their ass and 
gets Paul George to come there for something. Maybe that that pick they have. I, I don't know why the, the Oklahoma City would trade him at this point, but it, that would be the only thing. Paul George moving there would be the only thing that would change my mind. Oklahoma um, City's a contender. There's not trading anybody. That's what. Yeah, that's what I'm, I agree with you. That's why I don't think it'll happen, and I wouldn't trade him either because. Russell Westbrook, Mello, even though I don't really like Mello, he's a good third option. And the guy on the team that I love is um, – oh, damn, I'm drawing a blank. The you're, center. You're a Steven Adams fan? I love Steven Adams. Absolutely love him. I think he's such an underrated player, never gets the credit he deserves, and just balls out every night. And he comes with it every night. And the dude is so strong. Um, so, yeah, I just – I don't know what Cleveland can do. You, you just don't magically – LeBron can magically snap his fingers and play like LeBron. But he can't make a bunch of average players do that. Uh, Kevin Love's just not. Kev, I mean, Kevin Love is what he is. You no, know, Kevin, he's getting, Kevin Love it, is Kevin Love, and that's precisely the problem. That's the problem. And again, a guy who shouldn't have been an All Star is an All Star. We'll get to that. But um, last question is from Joe at JP23X. He says, "Who should the Bucks hire as their head coach now that Jason Kidd has fought, gotten fired?" And do you agree with that? Do you agree with him getting fired? I mean, do I agree with him getting fired? It, I mean, he's he's not a good coach, but I don't think he is either. But I I don't necessarily agree with him getting fired. I mean, the Bucks are underachieving, but they're still two games over for five hundred and still in the playoffs. Plus, they're young. Mm-hmm. So, is he getting the most out of that team that he could? Probably not. But it's, it's not it's not been all bad. I but if I'm going for a coach there. I pick the guy who's not going to make Giannis Antetokounmpo leave. That's who I pick. I just basically put 12 guys in a room. Whoever he gets along with best, I have coached my team. And that's like the scary part of it because he really got along with Jason Kidd. He and offered to save Jason Kidd's job. Yeah, and he knew he Jason Kidd was fired before Jason Kidd did, which is a bit... That's an ass. That's bad from the Bucks ownership. Yeah, it's really terrible, and it and that conversation came out, and now it's a real uncomfortable thing, um, obviously. But I mean, Giannis has already said Jason Kidd has been a big part of my success. When you say something like that, you know, let's be real. Like Milwaukee's not a destination people really want to go to. The first place when I think of is like, yeah, I can't wait to go play in Milwaukee. Nah, no thanks. There's like. 25 other franchises I'd rather play at before Milwaukee and a guy like Giannis is going to want to win and the problem is is he's ready to win now and the rest of the team probably isn't and they're still a good team I like them but they're not going to win any championship in the next unless something ridiculous happens they're not winning a championship in the next uh, what five years six years seven years unless something I don't know Giannis's development could be that something ridiculous I mean I know what we're going to discuss next, but mm-hmm. if you have to throw a third guy in here, I take Giannis over either of the two guys we're about to talk about. Okay. All right. Well, so let's go on to this. So obviously you guys know that I'm a Sixers fan. Justin's a Knicks fan. So we wanted to do a little debate. Um, and the debate is between Joel Embiid and Porzingis. And the only reason I brought it up is because Porzingis kind of threw a little bit of shade, not necessarily an Embiid, but just basically saying, well, you know, the players, players wanted me know. over him. Yeah, players know. And a lot of that is Joel Embiid talks shit. And let's be honest, guys don't like that. They don't no, like he rubs a lot of everybody the wrong way. Yeah, he rubs people the wrong way. And he's, you know, he'll learn or he's not going to learn. Either way, he may or may not care because it's really hard to stop him. But my question to you was in your opinion, who's the better player and whom would you want more long term to build around? 
Joel Embiid or Kristaps Porzingis? So I'd rather build around Porzingis, personally. And it has something to do with homerism, but it also has something to do with, I I think that his game ages better. Um, okay. He's got a lot more finesse. He's got a lot more finesse in his game as far as no question about as far that. as the ability to space the floor and shoot. They're both mm-hmm. huge and injury prone, right? Like, correct. The big problem yeah. for both of them is the. I'm fact glad that, you said that though, because a lot of people overlook that about Kristaps, but you're honest about it, so. Right. I mean, poor, and, and, and while Porzingis is injury prone, he's not nearly as injury prone as Embiid has been through his career, but mm-hmm. very few mm-hmm. people are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that's Embiid's I mean, had two big ones: the back yeah. and the foot. Yeah. Yeah, and those are things that I worry about, you know, and that that does tilt the you know the debate slightly in the favor of Porzingis, I think. If you're talking about the the durability aspect, even though Porzingis this season is playing mostly beat up, yeah, um, he is. There are parts of their games that I find to be annoying for both. For them, beat it is precisely the trash talking and giving other people extra motivation. It and is. For, I, I don't really like it either. But sometimes it's funny. But yeah, I agree with you. He could he could do a little bit less of it. Just play. Yeah, and Porzingis needs to stop whining and and complaining to every ref that about trying to get calls because mm-hmm. you know if you're seven foot three. You're going to get hit in the arm a lot as you shoot, and it's not going to get called that as much as you'd think. Correct. So he it, needs The to, game's too fast to yeah. see it all the time. He, so he needs to stop whining about that. Um, when it comes to their, their actual games, I think Porzingis' long-term offensive game will, will develop and flash more than, than uh, Embiid's because I just think that there's more ways within which he'll, he can beat you. Um, Embiid still, is gonna have, still has ridiculous post moves. And sure. you know, shows some ability to spread the floor, but Porzingis' shooting range is significantly longer. Um, Porz- yes, is. Porzingis is better at putting on the floor, I think, than Embiid. Uh, but, you know, that's never going to be something that either of them are going to be... Like, they're both going to be seen as good at it, but that good at it's going to be relative to the fact that they're both seven feet tall. Uh, Porzingis is probably a better rim protector without being a better defender. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with the blocks. I totally agree with that because you can see that in the difference when Embiid's out. The Sixers are like a G League team, even with Ben Simmons in there. And then you put Joel Embiid back in and you see the, the kind of difference he makes. But it's funny because isn't Porzingis leading the league in blocks, I think, this yeah, year? Yeah, Porzingis is leading the NBA in blocks. That's what I thought. So, again, that's just a misleading stat. But that doesn't mean he's not good at defense. No, I mean, he's actually um, – he's, he's a good defender. He's not as good a defender as Embiid at his upside. Yeah. And his upside defending is not as good as Embiid because the other thing, too, is they play different positions, right? Embiid's they do. A, Embiid's a center, right? Yeah, so no There's question. no doubt about it. Joel Embiid is a five. Chris Epps Porzingis is – like, he, he's a stretch four. He's a five if you're playing big and spread the floor. But the way in which the Knicks play right now, he never plays center. He pretty much no. always plays the power forward, and Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, Embiid receives the ball typically if they're playing uh, in the half court offense. Embiid, both of them are the screener, but Embiid's a screener and then you know picks up the ball in the low post. And Porzingis is a guy who operates mainly out of the high post and elbow extended, so they operate in totally different areas of the court. Um, offensively, their numbers are pretty similar. Uh, Embiid, yeah, almost identical. Yeah, yeah. Embiid's going to shoot a better percentage. Porzingis is going to shoot a lot more from distance. Yeah, and B's going to rebound more just because, again, center versus a forward and a guy who sits out in three-point arc. That's obvious. And I think MB and and the one thing that's helping MB statistically right now is the fact that, you know, he does have more help around him on his team. Yes, he does. Not a ton more. It's not like, it's not precipitously more, but like the Knicks, I mean, we'll put it this way. Would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. or J.J. Redick right now? 
I think J.J. Reddick's the better player of the two. I do too. Although, I mean, I, I'm it's Ben Simmons difference. is a monster. Yeah. Dario Saric is a really good player. Exactly. Um, Robert Covington hasn't been as good since he's been signed that contract, but he's still, yeah, you're, I mean, you have a good point. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't Whereas, deny that. When so. you talk about the Knicks, I mean, it's Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis, and mm-hmm. I guess Enos Cantor and Michael Beasley. Like, Cantor and Beasley. Both played well. Beasley is misleading because I don't think he's played that well. He Beasley can, the issue with Beasley is he can always score, mm-hmm. but I never want to see him on the court in crunch time because I know he's going to make terrible decisions. Yeah, he's he's always been a head case. That's always been his problem. Yeah, I mean at this point he's trying. I just think that he's got a little too much. Uh, he's got a little too much of a case of the mellows where he takes everybody out of the rhythm of the offense. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Melo did Mr. Isolation. That's what he does. Yeah. All right. So I actually I was going to debate you there, but I actually agree with basically everything that you just said. And I'm glad that you distinguished that one's a center, that they're not the same position. That I mean, you're right. Porzingis shoots better. He's always going to shoot better. Um, Bede's going to rebound better. I think he's a better defender. Um, you know, it, it, again, you do the, the, the best biggest point that you brought up was the, the last thing about who's around them and who's that makes a massive difference. Like it, it just does when you're playing good teams, like as good as Porzingis is, you, you can't play one on five. And sometimes he does that, um, especially with Hardaway hurt. I know he's back now, but that, that hurts you. That hurts him bad. So um, let's move on to our next thing. Let's talk about, it doesn't have to be a huge long debate, but do you have any issues with any of the all-star selections? And that could be either guys who didn't make it, Guys who you thought should have been starters, East or West? You know, I was thinking about it, and I don't really have too many. It, you know what it is? Kevin Love is the one that gets to me. I think Andre Drummond should be there ahead of him. I would not disagree with that. Um, I don't. I certainly don't think Kevin Love should be there. I don't know if Andre Drummond should be there either, but he's probably better than Kevin Love at this point. Um, also, you I know don't, what? How did the Miami Heat not have a single All-Star? Yeah, I was kind of weird. I don't know what Hassan Whiteside's numbers are. I know he's kind of had like an up-and-down year. He's a good player. Um, it was a little weird that they didn't have one. Uh, I don't know if – and I love Kyle Lowry, but I don't know if he's having an All-Star year this year. Um, I would say he's not. Uh, again, I'm going to sound like a homer, but Ben Simmons is having a better year than him. And I know why Ben Simmons didn't make it. I get it. He's a rookie. And the way that they still do it strangely, like he, they don't know what position he plays and he, he guards five positions, blah, blah, blah. There's also uh, the, there, there is also the inconvenient fact that his numbers take a nosedive when Embiid is not playing. Yes. Well, yeah, they absolutely do. They have yeah, no question. I, 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 I I have a lot of friends who are Sixers fans also I've had this conversation with. Simmons you are is, right, though. Simmons is going to make a lot of All-Star games, but I have, I have two problems with, with, with uh, the Simmons All-Star game pick for one reason. One, the thing I just mentioned where his numbers go down. without, mm-hmm. and, the, and the other one is, that's a 22-21 and 21 team. I can't give two All-Stars to a team that's, that, that's, that, that's hovering around 500. Yeah, a not, lot of people... Yeah, a lot of people say that, and I, there, I, I give it some credence. But then I see a guy like Al Horford who's averaging 13, 5, and 7, and I'm, I'm wondering, and I know he's he's a good player. I'm not picking on him. I know defensively he's very good, but you're averaging 13 points a game. Um, I don't think he's an all-star. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just being biased towards Boston. I, I don't know who else I'd put in there. 
Um, but I do agree with your Kevin Love thing. And they, I look at Draymond Green's stats. It, maybe this is just me. And he's 11-7. He's basically almost 11-8-8. Eight, and, eight. and I feel that he's just a 10 times the player that Al Horford is. Maybe not 10 times, but he's a much better player. Overall, um, I would agree with you this season. I'd say it's a lot closer than it has been in the past. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, what about, do you think, and I love John Wall, but do you think he should have made the all-star team this year? Down year. So I can see arguments against him, but he's okay. still so good. Yeah, no, I love the guy. I love the way he plays. And I guess this down year, he's still averaging 19. But again, it's we can't just look at that because, as you know, numbers can sometimes be misleading. Is there anybody left off that, like, I, I don't know how Paul George is not an all-star. Um, that one really threw me. I, I just, like, I don't know how he's not. Anybody else on there that you would have thrown in there or thought about taking out? We we talked about love. I mean, Kemba Walker could have been an all-star this year. He definitely could have been. Yeah. Although I do love the fact that Oladipo made it because he's been fantastic. Oh, Oladipo deserves it. Deserves it. Deserves it big time. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, Capella. Has, yeah, I think he's got uh, over who uh, Lamarcus Aldridge maybe. Yeah. Okay. He's been too. He's been too good, and he's. I mean, other than that, there's not a ton of guys who I think. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, at some point, T.J. McCollum needs to make one. Yeah, and it's tough but because it's, he plays again, with Dame. Yeah, and it's also the fact that Lillard's the better player, and that team is, you know, pretty up and down and not great. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, they're really good backcourt with. Uh, Nurkic has really taken a step back. He had like two, what, two really good months and has just hasn't been the same player this year, in my opinion. No, no, um, he hasn't. And that's, that's really stepped that, that's really kind of set that team, just set, set them back. I mean, yeah. They're going to make the playoffs likely, but in, in a tough West, but, uh, not, I'm not that big on it. I mean, I guess maybe Devin Booker. I thought he had a shot as well. I thought he had a legit case. Is it um, maybe just that the team is so bad? That's what I was thinking. And I think because they're in the West, um, like who's he going to take over for there? Like, no, he's not taking Jimmy Butler's spot for me. Um, maybe you make the case for Dame. He's not taking Russell Westbrook's spot. Oh, no, uh, he's not. certainly not taking Steph's. And he's not, you know, he's just, those guards are just he's ridiculous. He's not taking anybody on GSW's spot. No, absolutely not. All right, so we're pretty much in agreement there. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, is one Trey Young, the Oklahoma guard, who's just a fantastic player in college. Um, but I want you to tell me, so I'll go over his stats first. He's averaging 30 points a game, nine assists and 4.2 rebounds. Uh, I watched him play Kansas game, the full game last night. He was phenomenal and they beat Kansas, but he's tiny. Uh, do you think his game one translates to, to the NBA and what kind of NBA player do you think he's going to be? I, mean, I guess his game could translate because it's just, the floor is spread enough right now as to where there's, he'll find place, r- places and room to shoot and he's shown NBA range and he's got good vision. The question for me is not so is like, is what's his upside and who is he as a player? Like, is he, is he Steph Curry? Is he Seth Curry? Like, that's really what it is for me because mm-hmm. there are so many of these guys who are smaller guys in the, in college who could shoot. And 
I think the only ways within which you're going to get a who can shoot and and like you know play really heady you know good vision basketball. I think the only ways within which you're able to make that survive in the NBA is I, I think by being either hyper aggressive and being kind of like a Steve Nash or by being Steph Curry. And those are two very hard things to do. So that that's the path for him. I don't know that he'll be able to make it. And also a guy of his size in the NBA, regardless of who you are, for the most part, defensive liability. Yeah, that's what I, I go back and forth with. Like I watched him play last night and I'm just like, this kid is so exciting. And then I'm like, wow, this kid is so freaking tiny. And the college game is so different, as we know, the NBA. He basically would have to be a shooter like Curry to have a big impact. But if you look at the draft next, like the good ones, not not the fools on ESPN, not those guys. I mean, the real, real good ones. They'll he's like top three, top four pick in there in all of their mock drafts at the moment. And I don't know how that changes because he's played a lot of, I mean, those are ridiculous numbers that I just said. I mean, they are nasty. And I know like Jimmer Fredette's done that, but Jimmer Fredette did it did what in a different way. Yeah. He, did it, um, he also did it in the mountain West, not the big 12. That's yeah. No, that's a huge difference, obviously, no doubt. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you there. Like it, I, I just, it, what is he? You know what I mean? Like it's so hard to put a put a finger on it, but I, I just I don't know. I want I want to say the kid's going to really 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 excel in the NBA, but it's this he's listed at six two one eighty, which means he's probably smaller than that. Um, so I I just don't know. It's so hard to call. Like he, as a, if he could do the Curry thing, because Curry's not big. But he really worked on this game, and he worked on his body. He just can't – I mean, he doesn't look like your average NBA player, but he has really worked on his body. If he could do that, it may maybe take some two, three years like it took Curry, and that was – well, Curry's because of injury, not because of anything else. But I don't know. I mean, do you, what do you think his ceiling is? Do you think it's Curry? Do you think it's somebody it's, way below that? I mean, Cur- calling Curry someone's ceiling is tough because Steph Curry's it's ridiculous. Yeah. best shooter in NBA history and a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer who mm-hmm. is the only who is the only guy I think during LeBron James's uh, run in prime who actually won an MVP award with LeBron in the league and deserved it. Yeah. Well, that Durant yeah. did it once. LeBron, but LeBron legitimately could have won the MVP pretty much every single year, every except year. for yeah. you know. Two of the last three years where Steph Curry's actually really beaten him to it. And mm-hmm. to me, basically, it's – well, I mean, last year, Russell Westbrook. But that's that's just, you know, a, a freak sideshow. Um, yeah, that was just basically I'm going to do triple-doubles all year just to win the MVP. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's more likely like a, a Kyle Lowry who could shoot better. Lowry's a small um, guy. Okay. Lowry's a small yeah, guy but, who's athletic, but, but Lowry's also so much more athletic. Yeah, and he's also solid. You know what I mean? Like Trey Young's never gonna have that body type. Like he, unless he's doing steroids, he'll never have that body type. Um, but the comparison's not bad. I just like he's so hard to compare somebody to because you just don't see guys. He's the only guy with numbers. that body type is Steph Curry. And the only guy putting up that those numbers is that body type, Steph Curry. Exactly, and like you said, he's he's playing in a really good conference with good competition, and he's he's dominating the competition so far. So I guess we'll see. Um, the one last thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because I don't think it's going to happen, is the Kawhi Leonard thing. 
Um, there's there's some apparently some discontent there with the Spurs organization, which you really don't see ever. So I, I don't know how, even how much credence to put on it. And quite frankly, I don't think um, that they'll trade him. I think that's foolish. Uh, but Dave and I talked earlier, and he he said that um, Dave Hendricks said that uh, the, he his team has the biggest trade chip with um, Andrew Wiggins, which I obviously completely disagree with. It if the Sixers wanted to trade Ben Simmons. He would be a much better option than, in my opinion, than um, Andrew Wiggins. Now, I don't think either team would entertain that, and Kawhi Leonard's a fantastic player. Uh, but what do you think about that? Do you think there's even a remote chance that he goes? And if he does go, if if do you want to even entertain, um, you know, like where does he where does he go? Like who would have the best shot at him? Or is it not worth talking about? I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, I, for first off. I, I, as much as I love Dave and I love Dave's uh, Minnesota Timberwolf homerism, there is <laughs> uh, looking at a guy like uh, Andrew Wiggins and how he plays that that that's not a Greg Popovich player. No, no, no. He plays no defense. He's, he plays no he's defense. really just just a scorer. That's really yeah, all he is. And, he, and he's not a particular. And even then, he's not a particularly great shooter. And Popovich's entire thing now is just playing Euro ball. Correct. Not hero ball. Euro ball. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, who could who who could uh who wants to really uproot and change their organization to get Kawhi Leonard a top ten player in the NBA and top five player in the NBA? Actually, it's it, yeah, it, it, it's it, phenomenal. It costs, it costs a lot, and you'd have to start to think about like you know you know where it actually be a great place for Kawhi, the Clippers. He's a Southern California. You think so? I believe Kyle Leonard is. A, I mean, he went to college at San Diego State. I'm not exactly sure where he's from, but he's from a Barrett area. I'm pretty sure. I think he's one of those bad neighborhoods in uh, outside of L. A. Um, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, that's what I'm thinking of it because you know the at home. He's from L. A. I'm just trying to figure out where in L. A. Yeah, I think it's. I don't want to say the wrong city, but I was just reading about him, and I'll look that up while we're talking. But I'm fairly certain he's from. Because I know he was a very quiet kid. I'm just trying to remember. Riverside. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and that's. Yeah. Not, yeah, no, not the nicest place. No, no, definitely not. And I'm pretty sure, fairly certain he grew up without a father. Um, so we don't think there's anything in that then, basically, right? No, no, I don't I don't think there's. I can't see. He's. Kawi is such a Greg Popovich creation that I can't see him leaving. I've never really seen. Like, Pop. Papa found himself Tim Duncan, and he made sure to keep Duncan there the entire mm-hmm. time. Duncan was obviously a low drama guy because he's just uh, you know the big fundamental. But I can't, yes. see, but I can't see Kawi end up leaving there. I, it would be too, it would be too foolish. The only way in which I see that happening is if Papa leaves also. Yeah, that that would that would change up the whole philosophy. All right. Well, on that note, that that will end tonight's show. Um, anything you want to add, Just? I got nothing. Nothing. All right, yeah, me either. Um, just stay tuned for the next one. Um, I'm going to start with the trust the process things because, you know, after 20 episodes, it gets a little old. But um, look out for the next next week's episode. Uh, I think we're going to do a how to fix the Lakers at some point very soon. Uh, take some time to really look at that. But until next week's show, everybody just be kind to each other. Be smart, be cool. And Justin and I will talk to you next week. San Dimas High School Football Rules. There you go.
As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.